Cliff. This is Borma. And this is our first weekend catch-up for While You Were Sleeping. We are going full spoilers ahead for episodes 4 to 8 and this is the only warning you're going to get. Click away now and maybe go check out our first impressions of the show. Okay, so let's dive right in because there's tons to talk about. Like, oh my god, how there are three people in the Clairvoyant Dreamers Club. The three flying dragons! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so funny. So the third person is Hanutak, who is the guy whose life they saved in the first week uh, when they prevented the hit and run. So, what do you think of this development? I have two very strong words to describe this guy, and they are, oh, cute! He is, but didn't you find yourself a little bit suspicious of him in the beginning? No! When he was stalking her mom, yeah, but after that, dude, he was wearing a Batman cap, okay? It's hard to be suspicious of people wearing Batman caps. And then later when he's feeding his his dog who is called Ubin, which is just too cute, he's wearing a little Batman top. <laughs> I know! Also, he does not tie his dog up. All other K-dramas, please take note. So his existence raises a whole load of questions. He dreams, those same dreams that the other two do, and then, then they dream opposite things, and you're like, what? It's crazy. Yeah, because still now, Jaechan and Hongju have dreamt complementary dreams. Right. It's the same thing that is going to happen, but the two of them got two different perspectives or in different snippets of the same future. Whereas this guy dreamt an option. And what I find really uh, cool about Butak is how quickly he figured out that he could make a change. Probably because he came into this with no prior expectations. Unlike Hongju who has been trying to make changes in the future and failing, he started dreaming and unlike uh, Jay Chan, he wants to make a difference. So he quickly put together puzzle pieces and decided to try and change the future and then he did. It's why I wasn't so sure if he was trustworthy because at that point, like, how long was he going to wait before he intervened? The point he got up, it would he have been able to stop Soyun? You're right. He would not have been able to stop her. So that does raise a question of how far was he going to indulge his curiosity about this? I kind of see him as the wild card in the team now because he's the one that has the opposing dream and then he's also able to make changes because uh, like we talked about last week with Hongju, she can't make changes. No, but neither can he actually. I think it was Jaechan's presence that changed it. He's the one who brought Jaechan onto the scene because he shouldn't have been able to change that if he had been Hongju. He wouldn't have been able to change that. No, but I think the show is uh, emphasizing the fact that without Jaechan, a change could not have been made. Now it's a choice. See, the moment Hongju realized that Jaechan could uh, make changes, she tried to influence his actions. So, you know, trying to get him to make a change. So I think it's the same thing uh, when it comes to Wutak and that incident in the diner. Mm. If he hadn't gotten Jaechan involved, then the thing would have played out exactly as he had imagined it. Right, no because he got up too late. Yeah, clearly he was not the point of intervention to begin with. Uh. So... Yeah. Oh, uh, the other thing is, didn't you find it interesting that both Jaechan and uh, Wutak started having these property dreams after they met Hongju? Yeah, I mean, I was wondering what the trigger was because um, for... Oh, you're right, actually. That is the only trigger. Because I originally thought that with Jaechan it was because... But that was his dream. They hadn't exchanged a word. Like, she yeah. had just mistaken his interest at a bus stop. That's the only exchange they had before that dream. And then he practically risked his own life to save her mom and her. So yeah, and because then I thought that Wutek's uh, uh, trigger was because his life was saved. But it wasn't, was it? That's not why. The common point is that they are exposed. 
exposed to her like she's some kind of virus. So he wasn't wrong. He did ask if this was a communicable disease. Right, right. That was really funny. <laughs> that whole scene of the three of them sitting there having their ramyeon, that was just the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that it's three of them and not just the two. Because as much as I like that Hongju and Jaechan were apparently the only true prophetic dreamers and they were drawn to each other, that was great and romantic. But, and it was very mellow as well, like uh, exactly. melodramatic. And he introduces this sort of comic twist into it as well. And also, like I say, the wildcard variable, which makes it much more unpredictable. So you're like, okay, now we have no idea what's going to happen. I'm so, oh, and, and Hongju's mom keeping a score between the two boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what we really like about uh, Pakirion dramas, is that they, she takes the time to put a lot of texture into the family relationships. Like, she's not all about the romances. She's about all of the relationships. And so you've got Kim Seon's character, Soyeon, the pianist, her mum, mother of an only daughter, bonding with Hongju's mum, also the mother of an only daughter, bonding about the cranky only daughters. But then yeah. that's, and that's really funny. And then you sort of bookend that interval with the daughters, you know, at the end when they're doing the washing up together with the girls relating to each other as, you know, as only daughters and how dear their mothers are to them. And that was, I thought that was a really, really sweet way to tie that off. It was lovely. Uh, so the other surprising character in this week's episodes was Investigator Choi. So how satisfying was that about face? I actually find it interesting that it wasn't really an about face. And, and he says this to you, Bum, if you think I've changed... Then you have changed. Yeah, that, that was brilliant. Because what he's saying is, I'm doing the job as I ought to be doing it. I'm not taking sides. Just because when I agree with you, you think that I'm taking your side. I'm not. I've always been doing this the right way. So he schools them. And this ties into Jae Chun's development as a prosecutor as well. So Yubam gets schooled by Investigator Choi. And Jae Chun, who gets schooled by his college junior, who is his prosecutor senior, Kimin. Like, I thought this was one of the best points of this week's episode, was how it allowed his greenness to show. Like, he thinks the way they've handled the Park Junmo case is because Park Junmo is powerful. But she's saying, you know, we all know that he did this. However, it's not our choice to make. It's a victim's choice. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was a really important moment for him as well. Not just as a prosecutor, but as, as a character. Not only does he successfully indict that guy, but he also wins the respect of his team. So this seems like a good example of the three-legged stool thing. The stool comes down straight without all three legs. Jaechan had the right intention, or rather he was kind of forced into having the right intention um, mm-hmm. by his brother and uh, Hongju. Whereas his senior human, she showed him a different aspect of it, yes, but also he would not have known what to do after indicting Park Jun-mo. But she showed him, like, this is what you do next. Oh yeah, that was really good. Yeah, and the, and the third leg of the stool was obviously Investigator Trey, who brought in his experience of uh, interrogation, because Jaechan didn't have any experience in this. He, mm. He's all school book learning, you know? This is his first job as a prosecutor. He would not have been able to handle this case well. Which actually brings me to a different aspect of this story, or rather maybe the prime aspect of the story, which is whatever supernatural force is giving them the dreams, why are they focusing on Jaechan's choice and, you know, trying to get him to win? Like, 
what is going on? Why is he being given second chances? Is what I'm asking. Uh, I think this is sort of the big question of any supernatural drama, isn't it? Why does why does fate pick you? What I found really interesting about that particular point was like how hard it is for him to trust in in the dream that had the good outcome, but it sort of went against uh, his instinct. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, I don't think I quite like the lesson he takes away from this. I instinctively don't like this idea. That he ignores his own feelings about something and goes with prophetic dreams because then it becomes kind of like a duet machina type thing, you know? I don't quite agree that it's a bad thing because I think what it's uh, highlighting is that his instincts are not developed enough. Like if he had been thinking coolly, he could have come to that conclusion by himself. I should trust the more experienced investigator Cho with doing this interrogation and, you know, watch and learn rather than thinking this is something that I have to do myself. Like it was about looking to his team as well and this was another thing that these episodes really brought out not only did they do really efficient rich character building they also did this team building you know you went from this tiny force of two people to everyone being on their side and cheering for them and you know with that case he won the respect of his team you remember his father wanted him to start at a higher level than him and become a prosecutor that was the last thing his father had asked him and then he becomes a prosecutor but He's too scared to rock the boat, and right off the bat, because I think this was his very first case where he indicts someone, he's forced to rock the boat and take a righteous path. So it's also a moment where you know it makes him more proud to be honoring his father's wishes than he would have been if he had just quietly gone on yeah, the way he had wanted to. What I really like about that whole thing also is that it illustrates how grudgingly and unwillingly he does the right thing. Like he's good, and we know he's good at heart, <laughs> but he's so grudging. He's like, I don't oh, want to do also, this. The lottery numbers. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Oh, I knew it. As soon as he ripped up the ticket, I knew that they were the real thing. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! I you're gonna be you so. Apparently, Hongju had dreams that she pulls numbers out of, but she didn't know. <laughs> well, at, at first, like, when she said she was fibbing, I wasn't sure I believed her, but then I thought, okay, you know, she probably was. But then when he tore up the ticket, that's when I knew that for sure. I hope he never finds out. <laughs> yeah, me too, poor guy. <laughs> oh, and this is another thing I really liked about this uh, writer, is that she made sure to put in the fact that he just bought a car, he hasn't paid it off yet, and now he can't use it. It had to be scraped. What that means also is that he has to keep on taking the bus. You're you're right totally about how she writes this stuff. Um, and the other thing I was going to mention is that with uh, Pakerion and her fantasy concepts, they're always constructed really well and with logical rules. We don't, Obviously, we don't know what the rules are right away, but I mean, that's kind of the plot of it all. But yeah, they don't drop details. Okay, your final point that you were gonna... The, the final point is that almost kiss. Or uh, the dream kiss. The funny thing is, she had dreamed it, and he had dreamed it, but then in reality, it didn't, you know, he was like going on his tiptoes. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. Yes, but on the other hand, also so romantic, because even though he was kind of like pulling himself out of her reach, the entire time the way he was looking at her, it kind of took the sting out of the whole thing, you know? <laughs> it's like he wasn't rejecting her, he was just... Yeah. That does raise the question, both of us are asking, why does he not want to pursue a relationship? And I think it ties back into how he feels about his dad, uh, and because he lost his dad. Like, if he lets himself become attached to her, he'll lose her. Ah, that actually makes sense. Because I couldn't understand why he was talking about running away. The, okay, I have to say, uh, someone taking off their bandage in secret just so <laughs> that the girl could 